in 1 Corinthians, you don't need to turn to it, but 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it said this, it says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of hope, as in all churches of the saints. You know what I'm going to talk about? We're going to talk about the plagues. We're going to get the third and fourth plagues. Sometimes when you read them, I get where I get so confused of how God's doing all this. And the order of the way he's doing it, why he's doing it. But then in James chapter 3, it says this, it says, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and ever evil everywhere. You know, I don't want confusion. Do you have confusion in your life? Is there confusion ever come in? When I see this and I understand how Pharaoh reacts, there's confusion in my thought process with this. Why did God allow that to happen? Well, I could tell you this, God, God knew the plan, but he's not the, author and confu- he's not the author of confusion. So in your life, when you're confused, just settle down and understand it's going to be okay. And God's taking you through these steps. Moses was a man of movement. God always had things for him to do. And so in, in go to um, Psalms chapter 71, and I want you to see this. We're going to read the first five verses in Psalm. Psalm 71 says this. It says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to... What's the next word? See, when we're, when we're not trusting in Him, we're confused, and, and we've got to just trust wholeheartedly in Him. Keep reading. It says, Deliver me in thy righteousness, and cause me to escape, incline thine ear unto me, and save me. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort, that thou given commandments to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. We talked about that this morning. Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. Now, I love verse number five, and I like how we're going to end this. It says, for thou art my, what? Hope. Would you rather have confusion or hope? When you have hope, is there problems? Yeah, there's, there's problems. In fact, hope is a creation of a problem normally. You don't usually need to have hope when everything's going all right. You need to have hope when something's going wrong. And sometimes we get in, con- in a confused state and it says, O oh Lord God, thou art my trust from my what? Youth. David was a man that when he was a young man, he trusted in God. To slay a giant wasn't that difficult because he had already slayed, he had already slayed a lion and a bear. You know, we see those videos of those people poking the bear, amen? You've seen it? They get in there in these wilderness, especially in Gatlinburg, you don't chase a bear, okay? I've just never understood that. And for the, for the life of me, I just can't comprehend trying to play with a bear. And then they play with bears that have cubs, which even doubles and magnifies the mother's anger towards you. We have a rule at our house when a dog has puppies, even if it's the nicest dog, no one goes around except if they know them for the first two days because they will bite you. Now, a dog doesn't have a paw that a bear has. And then you magnify it with a lion. Anybody in here ever thought, I'd like to see if I could run through a lion's den to see if they catch me at the zoo? Just, I want to just see if I could do it. That's absurd. But David says in this, he says, listen, I have killed a lion and a bear. I can do this. There was no confusion to him when he heard the giant speak. He just had to do what God wanted him to do. Now Moses has a job, and he's got to do this. And some of his aspects of this is God never told Moses how many it was going to be. Now he knew when the tenth one came that it was the most drastic one. 
But he didn't know when the tenth was going to come. He didn't know what the first nine were going to be. God let him know along the way. And, God, and he went and he talked to him. He never told Pharaoh how many it was going to be. He just did this. So we looked at the first two. The first one was water to blood. What was the next one? Anybody remember? Something they worshipped and they could not kill. Frogs. Why on earth you'd worship a frog, I don't know. But they worshipped a frog and they were scared to kill them. The frogs were everywhere. In fact, the Bible said it was in their bedchambers. It was in their stoves. It was everywhere. And so he, he does all this thing, and then, then the third one comes at, at us. Now the third one, even when I say what it is, my head starts itching. I don't know if you've ever been around someone that has lice. I remember one particular teen activity we went to. There was a girl we brought, and we didn't realize she had lice. And when we got to the teen activity, some girl wrote my wife a letter and slipped it to her and said, I think I just saw something move in her hair. She had one of, what was that thing she had on her? I'm, I'm not, this girl term, what is it? Was it, what? She, I know what a ponytail is, all right. Okay, she had one of those little clips on or whatever, I don't know, and my wife picked it up, and it was moving all over. See, right now you're going, I just got to scratch my head. We ended up having, we were actually over at Crown College when it happened, we ended up having to bomb all the hotel rooms. We had to clean, one, we let the kids go on an activity, and we literally went into a large laundromat, took the whole laundromat over. We had probably 80 loads of laundry that we had to wash. When you look at it, and really it has nothing to do with being clean or dirty. We knew of some of our wealthy kids that had it, we knew some of our poor kids that had it. It doesn't, it's not a respecter of persons. But here he comes in and he's going to do the lice to them. And then right after this, the flies. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like flies either. If there's one fly in my house, I have to kill it. If there's one fly in my car, I want to kill it. Are you like that? Especially if you can hear it. Now, I want to tell you, if there's a hornet in my car, I'm going to get out of the car. <laughs> but there's just something about hearing a fly in there, and you know where they come from. They're nasty critters. And so let's look and see what God does and how God works this out. And I'm going to give you six practical thoughts on Satan when it comes to these two specific plagues. I want you to look. Let's go ahead and read these real quick. In eight, chapter 8, and verse 16 through 19, it says this, And the Lord said unto Moses, saying to Aaron, Stretch out thy rod, and smite the dust off the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so, for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and smote the dust off the earth, and it became lice in the man, lice in man and in the beast, all the dust of the land, because lice of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Now that's a lot of lice. Now picture this: he turns dust into lice. Wow. That just it makes me itch. Just think about it. Not only did he do it to the people. I think it's interesting what God does. He's got all the angles with it. He does it to the animals too. People, you can kind of say, this is what's going on. Try to explain that to a donkey. Try to explain that to a cow. You really want to eat things that are from these animals that have lice all over them. Also, you've got to understand that Egypt smells bad already. 
They've got all the dead fish there. They're trying to get all that. All the frogs are piled up and they're decaying. And lo and behold, here comes your lice. Then you've got, the, you've got the next one. Go to Exodus chapter 8 and verse 20. It says this, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the water and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. And watch verse number 21. Else, if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee and upon the servants and upon thy people and and into thy houses, and the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground whereon they are. Now, let me ask you, have you ever been in a, a tent, or have you ever been anywhere where there's flies? Have you ever tried to sleep with a fly in your room? You know, I've heard that little statement, I don't know if it's true, that a, a normal person eats eight spiders every, through his lifetime, through his sleep. I think, I, I've got, I think I've eaten my quota, I don't want any more. But you just sit there and go, I can't imagine trying to go to sleep and a fly land on me. These are swarms of flies. And they just won't leave these people alone. If they were just stuck on the wall, it'd be another thing, but it says it's swarming at them. God knows how to get your attention. God knows how to get Pharaoh's attention. It really gets his attention because he says something to him, and, he, and we'll, we'll talk about that. But let's talk about six things real quick, and I want you to see these things in this story about Satan. Number one, Satan always tries to duplicate God. He always does. He wants to show that he has as much power as God does. So what did he do with the first plague? His magicians came down and they duplicated it. Which I told you this, I, if I was Pharaoh, I'd tell the magicians, stop doing that. And so the second time, he comes in with the frogs and they bring more frogs out. So on the third time, guess what? They try to duplicate it but they can't. They try to turn these, the dust in, some more dust into lice. And I would just like to sit down with my magicians and say, which side are you on? But Satan always, always tries to duplicate God. Look at verse number 18. And the, and the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there was lice upon man and upon beast. Trying to duplicate it. Number two, Satan can only do what God allows. Satan can't go and do anything that God does not allow him to do. And we'll get to that in just a second because you've got to understand it. We look at that and we see the story of Job and it's the one everybody goes back to, but he could not do anything to Job that God did not allow. So number one, Satan always tries to duplicate God. Number two, Satan can only do what God allows. Number three, Satan can control the hearts of man through emotions. Go to verse number um, 15. This is the end of the second one. There's a little word in here. Let's look it up, and I want to stop. You tell me the next word. But when Pharaoh saw that there was what? Respite. You know what respite means? Watch. A short period of rest or relief from something difficult or unpleasant. So what Pharaoh does is he sees that this, all, all, all these frogs are finally piled up and they're decaying and everything seems to be okay. So you know what he does? He messes with people's emotions. And he messes with Pharaoh's emotions. Okay, we can handle this. Everything's okay. Look at what the, look what the magicians say about the third one. It says in verse number 19, it says, Then the magician said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God doing this. 
See, I really think at this point, I think Pharaoh and his magicians, especially his magicians, are thinking, this is Moses and Aaron doing this, and it's just a trick. Because we can duplicate everything, and then we try to duplicate this one, so guess what? We can't do it anymore, so it's got to be a higher, higher person, and it's the finger of God doing this. Hmm. He messes with people, he messes with your, our emotion. Go to, verse, go to number two again. It says, it says um, Satan can only do what God, God allows. Look at um, 8 verses 20. It says, The Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh, for he, becometh, for he cometh forth to the water, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Verse number 21 says, Else if they will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee. And upon thy service and upon thy people and into thy houses and the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies and also the ground wherein they are. Here you see that he, he's doing all these things and again, God is allowing him to do it. He can't do it unless God allows him to do it. Go to verse number 22. And I will, ser and I will, and I will serve, sever in the day of the land Goshen in which my people dwell that no swarms of flies shall be there to the end thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Basically, what he's saying is when he does these flies, he's going to send these flies, but where the Israelites are, he's not going to allow the flies to go there. Have you ever tried to control flies? Do you know how long a fly lives? They don't live very long. What? Eight hours. That's a short lifetime. Well, these flies are going everywhere, but they're not allowing them to go. It's just like a barrier. You say, well, how do you know that Satan would want to do this? Because he would want to attack the Israelites more than he'd want to attack the Egyptians. But he's not allowed to. He's not allowed to send those flies over to the Israelites. Can you imagine the Israelites? Because they worked with these Egyptians. And some of them, you know, can you imagine going over and say, they come into work the next day and the Egyptians go, did you see those flies everywhere? And they're like, no, I didn't see any flies. And it was in that one land. And I love what it says, the land of what? Goshen. Do you remember that? What was the land of Goshen? Go back to Joseph. What did he do? He sent his family over to the land of Goshen. It was one of the best places to live at. And here, that area is not affected. It's not affected by man. It's not affected by beast. But you know what? Satan can't do anything that God... God's got to allow him to do whatever he does. He can't attack you if God doesn't think you can handle it. He can't do the things that he wants to do because God is still in control. So we've got to understand that Satan can only do what God allows. There's no doubt in my mind in this story that Satan would do everything he could to get the flies in Goshen, but he couldn't do it. That's very important as a Christian to understand. That's why in the story where it says, Satan, get behind, get behind me, that's because God is in control of Satan. He knows what he's going to do, and he knows he can't do anything unless God allows him to do it. The fifth one is this, God want, um, Satan always wants to set the rules. Don't you just love rules? Let's look what it says. 
It says in the very beginning, what did it say that he wanted? God, God wants to, um, Satan wants to set the rules. Look at verse number 25. Well, first of all, he said that he, what was going to happen, what, what he wanted to do is he wanted to go serve the Lord. But verse number 25, And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye sacrifice to your God. What's the next three words? In the land. Oh, you could go make a sacrifice. I'm going to let you do that. And the whole time Pharaoh's thinking, if you could just do that and get rid of those flies... I don't want you to go too far, but I want to set the rules up, the perimeters to you. And at any time, God could have wiped Pharaoh out. God, Satan always wants to set the rules up. Keep reading, and it says in verse number 26, I love his response. Verse number 26, Moses says to him, Moses says, is, It is not meet so to do, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God, Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and will they not stone us? He says, if we go out and do what we're going to do, we're going we're to pray about the abomination the Egyptians are going to do. They're going to hear what we say, and then they're going to kill us. He said, we're not about to do that. That's not the rule that was set up that God had for them. But that was Satan's rule. That was Pharaoh's rule. Satan always tries to set the rules. And the last one is this. Satan wants to think that he wins. Don't you like that? That Satan just wants to think he wins. Look at verse number 28. And, and um, he says in verse number 27, he says, We will go three days journey into the wilderness and sacrifice the Lord our God, and he, sh and he shall command us. I like what he says there. He does not say that you can command me. He's saying God's going to command what we're going to do. But then Satan thinks he wins in the next verse because look what happens. Pharaoh said, I will let you go that ye may sacrifice the Lord your God in the wilderness only that ye shall not go very far away. Here again, he's setting up his own rules that God has already set for the Israelites. He said, listen, I want you to sacrifice in Egypt. He says, I can't do that. We're not going to do that. He said, okay, I will let you go, but you're not to go too far. Remember what he said? He said, I want to go three days out. He said, you know, you're not going to go that far. What Pharaoh wants to do is he wants to keep an eye on them. The flies hadn't affected him that much. But he says, listen, you can go out just a short way. And you know what? Pharaoh thinks he wins. Because what happens? What, is, what does Moses do? He goes and talks to God. Tells God, he said, listen, he said, just make these flies go away and they go away. You know, he wants us to think that he's going to win. And he wants us to think that he does win. Go to verse number 29. It says, And Moses said, Behold, I go out from, from thee and I will um, entreat the Lord, the Lord with the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants and from his people tomorrow, but let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Here he is, he's talking. He says, listen, don't let, don't let him be deceitful to me anymore. And probably in Moses' eyes, he thinks, man, he won again. Because if you look at the very last verse of this chapter, it says, and Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also, neither should he let the people go. I mean, what's it going to take? How many more is he going to have to go through? How many times does Moses look almost like a fool in this one, but, Moses is, but God is still in control? See, I think at the same aspect that he was teaching Pharaoh something, God was, he was also teaching Moses something. He was teaching Moses a few things.
Did you ever feel that way with all the evil in the world? And you just think, is Satan winning at this thing? Satan sure is winning. Why does, why does all these things happen? I'm telling you, I can't watch the news. How many of you can watch the news for longer than 20 minutes? I can't. I just can't do it. It makes me mad. Um, I, I, I just, I, it just drives me crazy. But will Satan really win? Um, he's got water to blood so far. He's got frogs everywhere that are, that are decaying. He's got lice, and he's also got flies. I want to give you things, five real, real quick things, and we'll be done. And I'm, I'm going to go real quick through these. Five practical thoughts on God in these first four plagues. Number one, God knew how many plagues were needed, didn't he? How many plagues were needed? Ten. Now we can do the math. He's got six more. Now he's about ready to mess with the animals. He is, he is physically and, and, and with all the financial stuff he's doing, he is messing Egypt up. He is in control. But sometimes we fail to realize that, man, how does, how, did God know how many? You think he went back the next time and says, okay, let's just try something different. No, God systematically was taking this whole thing out. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knows exactly what he's doing in your life. You say, quit doing it, Lord. I've figured out the lesson you're trying to teach me. Maybe we haven't. But does God know what's best for your life? Did God know how many, how many um, plagues needed to happen? Number two, God knew that Satan would try to replicate every plague. He had tried the first two. The third one, he couldn't do. Does it say anything about the fourth one? Does it, do you figure out anything? You know why? Because those magicians knew it was not of Moses and Aaron, it was of God. The finger of God has touched these people. I mean, you think about what God's already done in their life. What's some things God had already done for the, for the, for the Israelites? What brought this upon them? Remember what, what happens? He goes to Moses and says, listen, we're going to take away all your... Remember that? What's he take away from them when they're making their, their straw? And he thinks, okay, we're going to wipe them out. We're going to make them work harder. And guess what? They can still do their job. So now he starts bringing these plagues. Let's just think this through. If you were standing out there and you see Aaron throw his rod down, it turns into snake. The other guys throw their rod down, which is duplicating it. Their rods are eaten up. Then you see the water turn to blood after Moses had told him what was going to happen. Then you see the frogs come out everywhere, which they knew, that, that God knew that the Egyptians could not kill the frogs because they were sacred to them. And then all of a sudden, your, the lice comes everywhere. And how much dust is in Egypt? My wife cleans our house all the time. And I mean, I can't find little, uh, little dust bunnies anywhere, but I'm sure there's somewhere, some there. And I can't imagine waking up the next morning and saying, everything that's dust in my house turned to, to lice. We'd have a run on Ridex. We'd go run and get all that stuff, put it on, do the treatments, do all this thing. And here God is still in control. And then you got the fourth one, you got the flies. I just can't stand flies. Do you like them when they land on you? 
Do you like them when they do up? I just can't imagine the filth you're talking about in Egypt. Just with the first four, you haven't seen anything yet. Because when he takes these animals out and he does this stuff with, with the hail and he does all these other things, it is destroying them. Can I say this to you? God knew that Satan would try to replicate every plague. Number three, God knew he could stop the magicians at any time. He could have stopped them at any time. He could have stopped them at the first one. He could have said, listen, they're not going to do that. They're not going to be able to throw their, 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 their rods down and then turn into snakes. He could have stopped that. He could have stopped the blood. He could have stopped the, he could have stopped the, uh, the frogs, but he didn't. He allowed them to happen. Because he wanted people to see how great of a God he really is. So number four, he also knew, God also knew, Pharaoh's attitude and response. This is important for Christians in this room because sometimes you're not treated fair. You know what Pharaoh was to Moses? He was a liar. After the fourth one, what did he say? He said, you can go out and worship. He lied. Now men in here, how do you like it when people lie to you? How do you like it? I mean, you're talking bold-faced lie. He did that to Moses. And Moses, even in his prayer, said, listen, don't let him be deceitful. You know what I think the hardest thing for Moses would be? When he goes back for the fifth one, after what he was promised. Can you think about that? If someone boldface lied to you about your whole nation leaving to sacrifice unto their God, unto our God, and Him saying you could do it, and then you relieve the flies from them, and then you go back the next time, and He is not letting these people go. After He's already put His own speculations on it. God knew the way He was going to respond. He knows how you're going to respond. Right? Watch. Let's do a traffic thing. How many of you have ever sped? Denver, you don't speed? Oh, my. Did you see that look your wife just gave you? Okay, here we go. Have you ever not sped and got pulled over? Denver answers that question. I'm not talking to you anymore, Denver. I have only got, I think, two tickets in my life, and one of them, it wasn't me. But I learned a good lesson from that police officer. When I, he was going the other direction, and a lady was riding right beside me, or behind me, and we had the same vehicle. Very similar vehicle. It was, it was, a, it was a different brand, but we were the same color and everything. And she went past me and flew past me. He was going the other way, and, and, all, and she was behind me to begin with, and all of a sudden she just took off, and he went down, and he had to make a way down there and turn back around and come get, us, come get me, and pulled me over and said, I had you clocked at such and such. I said, I was not going that fast. I said it was that, and, and I know he thought I was lying. He said, I was, it was that lady that passed me. I'm telling you, 
I'm a, I was a youth pastor. I said, I'm a youth pastor, and I'm telling you, I didn't do it. Trust me, I, I've been reading my Bible ever since you pulled me over, and I didn't do it. You know what he said to me? I went home, and I told my wife, I said, I got a ticket today. You know what that officer had the audacity to say to me? You know what he said to me? I'm going to look right at you and say this, all right? He said, have you ever sped before and not got caught? And I was like, Denver, I, I lied and said no. See, God knows our response. He knows your response. He knows my response. He knows everybody's response. He knew who Pharaoh was. There's no chance at all that he wasn't wicked. I mean, he'd already treated the Israelites terrible. He didn't care about them. They were pigs in his eyes. They were dogs in his eyes. God knew how he was going to respond. Don't get shocked when the world responds the way they do. God knows how they're going to respond. He knows how you're going to respond. When I told that police officer it wasn't me, I, can, I can't even imagine now how dumb that sounded to him. But as God is my witness, I was not the one speeding. But I was the one paying the bill. I've gotten two of those famous pictures in Kingsport in the mail. And I was like, I can't believe I got, that thing takes a flash, I want to at least smile at the camera. And I thought, I can't believe this. Then it, then it hit me. I wasn't driving that vehicle that week. But I'm not going to say my wife was, but somebody else in our family was driving. we still got to respond the right way. God knows how we're going to respond. Nothing shocks God. He knows us. He knew Pharaoh. He knew Moses. And both those men need to be taught a lesson. Don't you think Moses was a headstrong man? Oh yeah, he was nervous about leading the Israelites, but don't you think he was a headstrong man? You don't go kill somebody when there's an argument. Unless you feel it's very justified. That's what, Pharaoh, that's what Moses did. Number four. God knows Pharaoh. God knows Moses. He knew their attitude and their responses. Let's repeat these real quick. God knows how many, God knew how many, how many plagues there were. God knew that Satan would try to replicate every plague. God knew he could stop the magicians at any time. God knew Pharaoh's attitude and response. And number four, God is always looking out for his people and the world sees it. Sometimes we don't realize how much we're blessed. Let's go and we'll read this one more time. Exodus chapter 8 and verse number 22, and we'll be done. Exodus chapter 8, verse 22. He just tells Moses, he says, listen, we're going to, turn, we're going to get these flies. Well, let's just go to verse number 20. And the Lord said unto Moses, rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the waters and say unto him, thus saith the Lord, let my people go, that they may serve me, else if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies. Before thee and upon thy servants and upon the people and unto the houses, to the houses of Egypt, the Egyptians shall be full, full of swarms of flies and also the ground wherein they are. And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell that no swarms of flies shall be there. To the end thou mayest know that I am the Lord, thy, the Lord in the midst of the earth and I will put a division between my people and the people 
and thy people, tomorrow shall the sign be. And the Lord did so. You know what I also think he did this for? The way he set this up? To encourage the Israelites. Were they affected by the water? Absolutely. Were they affected by the frogs? Absolutely. How about the lice? They were. For some reason at this one, he, I think he knows that the Israelites needed some encouragement. I mean, God's doing this all for them. And remember when we talked about Moses? <laughs> he needed encouragement. He was discouraged. God encouraged him. How many times did God have to encourage him? Well, I can't do this. He sends Aaron. I can't do this. He does other things for Moses. Along the way, he's showing Moses that he loves him. Now he's showing the Israelites that he loves them. And also showing Israel how much power he really has. I want you to do this next time you have a fly in your house. I want you to tell that fly where it can and cannot go and see if it listens to you. We kind of joke about that, but I'm telling you, you can't do it. We have a God that can. And that, that sounds amazing when you think about that. You're not going to go over there. I have four little puppies right now. They're devastating together. They work as a team. And they are devastating together. But you know, they're not the smartest puppies because you know what they're doing? They're digging a hole under our fence. And you know what they're digging a hole in under? To another fenced-in area. I've not told them that. I'm just going to let them go over there and just pick them up and throw them back in our yard. You know, I look at it as, you know, they're not smart enough to dig a hole where they can get out and run a neighborhood. They're just going to be locked up in the neighbor's house. Sometimes we just don't make sense. But God sure know, we sure know that God's in control, don't we? Through this, God is systematically destroying Egypt. You know what's amazing about this story? Through Joseph, God systematically built Egypt. God was in control in Egypt when Joseph was there. God is in control of Egypt when Moses is there. He's got a great plan. This plan is eventually going to destroy everything that they have, all their ten gods that we looked at to begin with. It's going to show them that they're not powerful. Little G, by the way. He's going to show them that they're going to lose their army when they chase after the Israelites. So there's no way that, that Egypt can go after Israel once they're in the promised land. They don't have anything left. Remember, God knows what Pharaoh's heart is. Do you not think Pharaoh would have chased after them if he couldn't get around the Red Sea? Let me ask you this question. Did God know how long to leave the Red Sea open? I can almost hear some of the Israelites, Bernard. They're getting close, they're getting close, they're getting close. I mean, they complained a lot. Just let me go back to Egypt. But God let them get close enough to take care of them. And He is going to help you through all your situations. He's not going to leave us alone. This week, God's going to be with us. Next week, God's going to be with us. This week, God knows what's best. Next week, God knows what's best. 
Sometimes we just think Satan's winning and, and we just can't, we, you can get discouraged over it. But God, last time I checked, God's still in control. Last time I checked, the sun's right where it needs to be, the moon's right where it need to be, needs to be. It might be a little cold on Tuesday, but God's still in control. Hey, watch out, last year they said one to two inches, we got 12, amen. This year they said one to three inches, it might be 13 inches, amen. We wake up on Tuesday and there's some snow, God's still in control. You know what you need to do? Build a snowman and quit complaining. God knows what we need every step of the way. And I can't imagine Moses when he goes in the next... Do you think Moses went in like, oh no, i got to go tell him what's going to happen next? Let me tell you why I don't think he was that way. There's a simple principle fact in this. Everything God told Moses that he was going to do, he did. He goes in and says there's going to be blood to water. Boom, blood to water. He goes in and he says this is, there's, going to be, there's going to be frogs everywhere. There's frogs everywhere. He goes in and says there's going to be lice everywhere from the dust. There's lice everywhere. He says, listen, we're going to send the flies in. And they're going to go there and they're not going to go over there. And everything that God had told Moses was true. Everything that's in that book is true. And my Bible says that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He loves me dearly. Don't forget that he's in control.